The Daily Ding is brought to you by Game Time. If you've been tuning in over the last couple months or reading my Tumblr dedicated to Game Time, you've probably heard about all the Game Time app can do and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute ticket to sports, concerts, all types of shows. I love Game Time because for me, I have to buy stuff last minute as someone who's on the road covering an NBA team. My schedule is incredibly unpredictable. I never know when I'm going to have to leave town to jump on a road trip real quick. And so a lot of the time I can't buy seats before they're selling out and I have to rely on game time for me to be able to get seats at the last minute when I know I'm going to be able to actually make the show. Well, now game time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. And here's what you do. You download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. You click on the My Tickets section of the app. That's My Tickets. Create an account. And then under the billing section, redeem the code The Athletic. One word, The Athletic. Once again, The Athletic. All one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. It's very rare that money's free, and it's going to be free for you. $10 off your first purchase with the code THEATHLETIC. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem this code, and it expires at the end of the year. And over 20 billion people listen to the Daily Ding every morning, so you got to act fast. That's until December 31st. 2019, the first 1,000 people who redeem that code will get $10 off their first purchase. So make your moves quickly and score some last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. Of a moneymaker to me, let's <laughs> act like it was dinosaurs. Wait, do you believe that the, that the world is flat? Nah, I okay. believe the world. Right. <laughs> I was about to like, have like an aneurysm. Yeah, 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 nah, yeah. Nah, heart nah. attack. Yeah, no, no just that that dinosaurs didn't exist. <laughs> All right, I'm not saying they did or didn't, but I'm not going off museum facts or finding bones. Like we just, we need a little more proof, and I don't know whatever proof you could give me, but who found these bones? Reverse flush and <laughs> ain't that a smooth one? This is how it goes. When I hope, I have no friends. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Monday morning. We've got all your action covered from another exciting weekend in the NBA. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by the biggest Waz with Rob Lopez officially available for trade. We're going to miss you, Rob. But coming up on today's Daily Ding, Luka Mania is going to have to come to a brief stop. The Nets cut down the 76ers and the Pelicans are in a really bad place. But first, the Lakers cannot lose on the road. They go to a hot Atlanta. They win 101-96 against the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks had two wide open threes on the final couple possessions there. Could and convert and Anthony Davis had some huge blocks in crunch time in this one even after he appeared to injure his ankle but he stayed in the game and then of course LeBron was LeBron as always he had 32 points 13 rebounds and seven dimes was LeBron is still pretty good yo before we move on to the Lakers I wanted I just you know Jared I just thought to myself am I the biggest was like am I bigger than Steve Wozniak uh, Probably, right? Sure. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. I mean, yeah, you cool. invented no. the personal computer, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, back to LeBron though. Yeah, he's playing some of the best ball of his career, right? During this this unprecedented Lakers start to the season. Uh I you know, I, I think it's interesting that he's letting basically AD 
do whatever he wants offensively with all the isolations and things of that nature. Of course, we've talked that nauseam throughout the season that he's been rejuvenated on the defensive end of the court. I just think it's fascinating that he could take over a whole new position, you know, something that he probably hasn't had to do full time since the first Cleveland run and have this level of success with it. Tonight, though, I'm not going to lie. I watched most of this game and the, the Lakers treated it like an exhibition um, game. I saw a tweet yesterday about Danny Green being in Brooklyn the day before the game, LeBron being in Ohio with Ohio State. Guys just kind of just doing whatever they wanted to do the day before they had this big, quote-unquote, big game against Atlanta. And they came out and they just, you know, they took it easy against what's easily one of the worst teams in the league, especially on the defensive end. And they took care of business ultimately, even if, you know, it got kind of touch and go there at the end. Yeah, wasn't LeBron just at Bronny's game the day before? I mean, you know, these guys, obviously, it's like they travel every day, so it's not a huge deal. And the Lakers, I think, are playing at a level where they can pretty much show up wherever they want and stomp the team out if they at least put in 85%. And, I mean, they had both AD and LeBron going in this one. You know, AD had 27 points, 13 rebounds. Obviously, the defense was pretty spectacular. Uh, but they they had that flow going. And it's funny, LeBron just seems, maybe just because last year was such a mess, but he just seems like he's playing with a level of comfort on offense that I don't think we saw quite as much last year. And just the way that these guys are streaking around him, you know, they have bigs delayed on the you know rim roll where he can just drive towards the baseline, slip it back to them, and they're throwing down dunks. It's like every single game is an exhibition for these guys. Yeah, and like I said before, I think it was the last time I was on the show and we covered a couple of Lake, uh, um, excuse me, we covered a Lakers game. I don't think they found their groove, hit their groove offensively. I think they're still figuring that part out, you know, on the fly. That ended of um, the court. So I would say, man, they have a they 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 can get even better on offense again. Less of the one-on-one stuff. Not to say that AD isn't a great or competent one-on-one player, but I think. Once they get to a, a point where they're consistently generating easy looks for AD, watch out. You, you're so right. It seems like they're still in a bit of a read and react, pick and roll or isolation attack kind of scheme. I think there's still a lot that they can do with Rondo to figure out how they can really utilize Rondo. But this team just likes to get out and run. And when they run, they're scary. Uh, but the thing is, LeBron hopefully can hold up the rest of the year. He's saying that he is not interested in resting, even though he's rested plenty in the past. But uh, he said that if he's healthy, he's playing. He believes that it's his responsibility, which was the same for Jordan and Kobe were the guys that he cited. Um, And he said that if a kid shows up in a certain city wanting to see him, he'll be on the floor because we know that LeBron loves the kids. Yeah, and I, you know, I thought what I thought was interesting is that he made the distinction between home and away games, right? Like the home crowd gets to watch him 41 times a year, whereas a city like Atlanta or New York, well, in New York, we, there there are two teams, but you know what I mean. Um, you only he only gets to be there one time a year, so it's a little different from a building where you're there 41 times to a building where you're only there once. I thought it was interesting that he made the distinction between road games and home games and wanted to, you know, take on the responsibility of giving the fans their money's worth. 
I think Adam Silver must have had a bug in his ear when he was saying that one. Uh, quick to note for the Hawks, we didn't really get to talk much about Trey. It wasn't Trey's best game, but it was pretty solid. And he and LeBron were training 30-footers throughout this one. But Kevin Herter re-injured his shoulder and did not return to the game in this one. That would be pretty devastating Big if loss. Herter miss, yep. misses most of the season because of recurring shoulder injuries. Uh, and then just last note here, the Hawks shot 12 for 42 from three, and the Lakers shot, I think it was 5 for 31 and hmm. it's hard to even describe how this record works, but basically this was like the third time in NBA history where one team shot essentially you know, five for 30-ish range and the other team shot around 10 for 40. So pretty historically bad shooting in this one. And that's, of course, why the Lakers were able to escape at the wind. Your sweatpants are on for the day, but you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. I mean, I was tired of them pierogies I kept eating, and, and I, just, I, I, I just had enough. Enter DoorDash, restaurant-quality food with a living room dress coat. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, not that there are very many good ones here in L.A., but there's a couple. But there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you might find a new favorite too. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code DING. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code DING. Don't forget, that's promo code D-I-N-G for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Let's head over to one of those New York teams. The Brooklyn Nets trounced the Philadelphia 76ers 109 to 89. It was Brooklyn's best offensive performance of the season. Their fewest points allowed in any game. They were up by 26 at one point in this one and their bench outscored Philly's bench 40 to 23. In the third quarter, they really opened up the lead where Spencer Dinwiddie was getting to the rim. Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, they were finding creative ways to get those guys really easy rim rolls. And Philly, without Joel Embiid in this one, just could not protect the rim at all was. You know, man, I understand that Joel Embiid is probably one of the five, three, three to five best defensive players in all of basketball. But I still believe the, the Sixers have enough defensive talent between Richardson, between Tybull, between Al Horford, Ben Simmons, uh, that they should be able to mount a better attack defensively against the Brooklyn Nets. I get that they're playing pretty good ball at the, in, you know during this juncture of the season, and Spencer Dinwiddie's playing like an all-star and all of that, playing with a lot of confidence. But the Sixers should be able to mount a better, you know, a stalwart defense against a team like Brooklyn, who's not star laden. They're not the freaking seven seconds or less suns here. So I'm kind of disappointed what they did uh, offensive. I mean, excuse me, defensively. And of course, offensively, they were work in progress the entire year, right? Like it's going to take a while to make this whole thing sort of gel and, and get it to where it's competent enough that they can consistently beat good teams. But I was dis disappointed by the defensive effort tonight. Yeah, you know, a big thing was, uh, and of course, Al Horford has been out for a little while. He's playing with a sore left knee and hamstring. And in this game, I thought offensively, that kind of two-man game between Simmons and Horford was working pretty nicely on the offensive end. I mean, Simmons was 7 for 10. He finished with the team high 20 in this game. Uh, but Horford, he shot 0 for 6 from deep. Josh Richardson was 0 for 4 from deep. Uh, Tobias Harris was 0 for 3. You know, all these guys that they're counting on to be their three points, uh, three-point shooters, all of them are flat. So I think a lot of this was just that they were missing so many threes. But to... 
I think to support your point, Norvell Pell was the only guy really trying to protect the rim in this one. And he just is not ready yet at an NBA level to read how to get guys like get in front of guys like DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen, who are just steamrolling through the paint. And so they just got killed with every time they would go to stop ball. Another uh, another Brooklyn player would be able to slip through Garrett Temple. Another one. He had a very good game in this one. He had 13 points. Uh, But you know, Brooklyn just kept finding ways to slip through Philadelphia's defense. And that's where Joel Embiid, who you just saw have a huge game in Boston a couple nights before, you know that that's where Embiid can really make the, you know, kind of save the 76ers ass. And Brooklyn had Wilson Chandler back. He made his season debut in his return from a drug suspension. He only had two points. He had seven rebounds in 19 minutes, covered Ben Simmons a decent amount. Uh, Waz, do you think adding Wilson is going to help make a difference for Brooklyn as they try to kind of climb back into the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think so, because Chandler's the type of player where I like him because of his positional versatility. Uh, He can guard... Uh, fours, threes, some twos on on given nights. Even if you if you want to get real spicy, you can play him at the five. Uh, uh, I think his jump shot is good enough to where you can count him as a quote unquote spacer. Like he's not the type of guy like say a Ben Simmons who you can completely leave alone. Uh, he's a solid shooter in that respect, and he's you know he's been in the league long enough. He's gonna be in the right spots defensively. Uh, he's going to move the ball offensively. He's not some type of ball stopper. I love him. Obviously, he has to shake out a few of the cobwebs and stuff, but I love the idea of him coming back specifically on this team because, again, um, he doesn't need plays, run for him. He's willing to you know, bust his ass on, on defense. Uh, he's perfect for this team. I mean, Temple's been having a really good year. And, um, you know, obviously, I think that he's probably going to have most of that primary wing role that they need as kind of that three and D guy. But Wilson it just provides depth and you can never have enough depth on a team like this where you have a couple centers who are not really switchable defensively. And then you have a couple point guards who don't make a huge impact on defense as well. So they're definitely going to welcome Chandler's assistance here. Let's get to some of the news is here. Dallas Mavericks superstar Luka Doncic might be able to return within a couple weeks after suffering a moderate right ankle sprain. League sources told ESPN on Sunday, Doncic injured the ankle early in Saturday's 122 to 118 loss to the Miami Heat when he stepped on heat guard Kendrick Nunn's foot while driving to the basket. His status will be updated Wednesday, but according to a lot of reports, he could return soon after Christmas, so that shouldn't be too bad, but he's going to be out for a couple of weeks and he's been easily a top five MVP candidate. I mean, we were just pulling in the athletic slack today and almost everybody had Luke on their list somewhere. He's averaging 29 and a half points, nine and a half rebounds, almost nine assists per game. He has eight triple doubles and the rat and the Mavs are in third place in the West with a 17 and eight record. So was is Luca already the greatest player of all time? And if not, at least tell me how big of a loss is this going to be for Dallas? Well, he's already the greatest 20 year old probably of all time. Right. And you can and you can include Magic Johnson and LeBron James on that list of great 20, 20 year old NBA players. And if he keeps it up at this rate, I don't think anybody's ever been better. And I will say this when when Dallas made the trade for Kristaps Porzingis, 
last season, people kind of poo-pooed the trade from the Knicks standpoint in that, oh, you're trading Chris Tatsworth's to play with Luka. That's, you can pencil them in for 50 wins a year. And I was kind of like, I don't know that that's true, right? KP's coming back from an injury. It's going to take a, a while to, re- a major injury at that. It's going to take a while to integrate him within what they're trying to do offensively. And, you know, the leap between what Luka had done this year I mean, done last year. And what he's doing now has been, I don't think anybody could have saw this coming. And I was like, you can't pencil this team in for 50 wins a year just because they traded for Porzingis. But I got to say, I was wrong. <laughs> they're 17 and eight right now. And they're on a 50 win pace um, at, at the recording of this podcast. So yeah, he's been a clear MVP candidate. I would say top three between him, Harden and Giannis. Uh, and 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 he's been everything for this team. So it's going to be a major loss. What I do like, Jared, is that it's a sprained ankle, but Dallas comes out and says two weeks, right? It's not going to take two weeks for this thing to heal. If he comes back in a week and a half, sue us. Okay, we got it wrong, but, you know, we weren't optimistic enough, and he comes back and everybody's happy. I'm glad that teams are learning from the debacle that happened in Golden State in the finals and conference finals last year with KD, where there's no reason to be like, he'll be back in three days. Like, all right, he'll be back when he comes back. Well, I will sue for one. Uh, second, it's they need a back quick because they are facing. They're going to be in Milwaukee, then they host the Celtics, then they're at Philadelphia, and then at Toronto. So they're facing like the four other teams with as good of a record as they have pretty much in the NBA. So this is the literally the hardest part of the schedule all year. The one thing that will help make it easy is that Milwaukee is going to be missing Eric Bledsoe, who has a right fibula avulsion fracture. Try saying that five times fast and is expected to be sidelined for at least two weeks, which is really short for the words avulsion and fracture. Uh, But the team said that on Saturday he left in the third quarter of Friday's win over Memphis after hurting his leg. He didn't play in their 125-108 to win over the Cavaliers on Saturday. He's been averaging 15 points, 5.5 assists, and 5 rebounds so far this season. And he is 30, and he has been hurt a lot in his career. So hopefully he's able to get back healthy soon. And we can go down to Charlotte for more injury news where PJ Washington is expected to be sidelined through Christmas with a fractured finger injury happened in the fourth quarter of Charlotte's 83 to 73 victory over the Chicago Bulls on Friday. The team said in the statement that he's going to be out until at least Christmas. He has been averaging 12 and a half points and five and a half rebounds in almost 30 minutes so far this season. Now, let's go back up to Chicago there because things are not looking pretty. They're not winning. And John Paxson actually spoke publicly and he said, for Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago, we are committed to Jim Boylan. There's no quick fix of this. We're not thinking of making any changes. Jim is a grinder and he's going to keep grinding. Was, is there anything worse than Jim Boylan continuing to grind? <laughs> yeah, uh Garden Packs continuing to uh, sink this team into a further hole, man. There it is. Uh ownership has kind of just been resting on their laurels with this thing. It, it's time to get new blood in there, go in a new direction. They've had their chance to make this thing a winner. Um and they and they failed quite miserably, man. Chicago deserves a winner. Um we've been talking about the ratings uh problem recently and Chicago stinking it up is one of the reasons for that. It's a good point. And I mean, Otto Porter was playing really well for them, but he's been hurt. Um, So they definitely have gotten unlucky with injuries. And right now they just have a ton of young players that are showing some potential. 
potential, but it kind of seems like they're not really being used to their potential in the system. So hopefully there'll be more changes in the future with Chicago so that they can go back to being a competitive ball club and we can get another major market actually contributing to the growth of the league. Let's get to the rest of these games from Sunday. The Magic beat the Pelicans 130 to 119 in the Smoothie King Superdome. I don't even know what they call it. Uh, the Pelicans have their 12th straight loss. That is a franchise record. And the Magic snap a three-game losing streak. So at least mediocrity has to end somewhere. Orlando's 41 to 27 third quarter really put this one to bed. And they hit 17 threes. They shot 50% from downtown. And that also coincided with Alvin Gentry getting ejected in the third quarter, complaining about the refs, and that somehow did not spark a Pelicans comeback. Jonathan Isaac had one of his best games of the season, 21 points and 11 rebounds. Nikola Vucevic in his first game back since November 20th had 20 points and nine boards. And DJ Augustine had a very nice 17.8 assist game off of the bench. For the Pellies, Drew Holiday had 29 points. JJ Redick had a really nice one, 23 points. Brandon Ingram put up his usual line. Line, you know, 21 points, six assists, six rebounds, and Josh Hart at 20 points in this one. But Marco Fultz behind the back, flying in transition. That was the stuff that put Orlando over the top. Now let's go over to Indianapolis, where the Pacers beat the Hornets 107 to 85. That's Indiana's third straight win. And Charlotte's three-game winning streak was snapped in this one. The Hornets had cut the lead to four heading into the fourth quarter, but then Indiana had a huge fourth to put it away. And the Pacers bench scored 31 of the team's 35 points in the fourth quarter. Huge, huge performance from the bench in this one. Aaron Holiday just continued to light it up he had 23 points and six rebounds as a point guard in this one then heading up to altitude in denver the nuggets beat the knicks 111 to 105 shocking to hear that the knicks lost the game the knicks trailed by 20 but took our lead early in the fourth quarter marcus morris and julius randall both had 20 points in this game but morris actually had 22 in this game uh but nikola Jokic, which is Backing that ass up all over the place. He had 25 points, 10 rebounds, only five dimes. He had 11 points in the final frame there. And Will Barton and Gary Harris, 16 to 15 for each of those guys. It was another solid Denver win. And then the last game, and there's a reason why we saved this one for last, because it's the Kings beating the Warriors 100 to 79 in the Who Cares About This One Bowl. Except Marvin Bagley in his second game back had 17 points and six rebounds off the bench. Something to enjoy there. And then Boyan. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 25 points, five boards, five assists, and six turnovers, continuing to make a strong six-man-of-the-year case. Uh, and then do I have to read any stats from the Warriors? I guess we'll give Willie Cauley-Stein credit in a revenge game, if you can call it that, for Willie Cauley-Stein. He had 14 <laughs> points and five rebounds in what is the, the, the most meaningless revenge game in NBA history. All right, let's get to our lines of the weekend. James Harden is always on this damn list. He had 54 points, seven dimes, and five boards Friday in a win against Orlando, and then followed that up in a loss the next night against Detroit, but he still had 39, seven assists, and six rebounds. But was we had something special happening with the Grizzlies. Yeah, Jaron Jackson put a 40-point, 40 40-piece 40 chicken nugget combo on the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday, even in a loss. Um, I, I, I like him for the line of the weekend for the simple fact that he had what could easily be described as a breakout rookie season. Um, impressed a whole gang of people. 
our our own Dave DeFore called him the next Tim Duncan. Uh, I, I don't know that I liked him that much. <laughs> but, you know, he, he he's kind of gotten off slow off the blocks in his sophomore season. I think more more people expected more of him to, to, to start. But it was dope to see him drop 40 against one of the best teams in the league. So I'm going to give it to Jaron Jackson Jr., 43 points, five revs against Milwaukee in a loss on Friday. Well, maybe he could be Timmy after all, but we have Paul George with 46 points, seven assists, and five rebounds Friday in a win against Mini. And then, of course, LeBron on Sunday, 32 points, 13 boards, seven assists, and so up that W against Atlanta. Well, that is going to do it for today's show. So do not forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like Back to Back, Tampering, No Dunks, House of Strauss, obviously The Daily Ding, plus over a dozen team specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers so do not forget to follow on the app so you can get those notifications for the new episodes and if you're not a member of the athletic you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports you even get Waz's fashion rankings which is really the only reason to subscribe to the athletic all for a super low price get 40 percent off your subscription today at theathletic.com slash dings you never know when these promos end, so get there soon. That's theathletic.com slash dings. Now, thanks for waking up with us. Was take me out of here. You can ding my bell. Ding, ding my, my bell. bell. My bell. <laughs>